0: well good morning rockbridge it's such a pleasure to be here with you guys this morning we're grateful that we get to worship the lord on this wonderful sunday morning really quick as you just saw on the video we're excited about connect camp we want to invite you uh your student your child to come and and be a part of that our focus is that every aspect of a kid's life would glorify god and so this next week is not just going to be about having fun and playing games though that'll be a significant part of it but we want to help kids connect to jesus And so we'd love for you to sign up for that. You can go to rockbridge.cc forward slash summer. Um, and also, if you're looking at that video and going, man, I'd love to be part of that volunteer, maybe during the week, a, a day, maybe the whole week, we'd love for you to talk to one of our team members out in the lobby and just get you connected to what God is doing in the next generation here at Rockbridge. My name is Felix. I'm one of the uh, pastors here. And so it's my honor to get to talk to you this morning. And so I want to hop right into our message series that we're uh, going through this summer called Landmines. And so one of our key verses is going to be a Psalm 42 that'll be up on the screen in just a moment. But we've been focusing on just different areas of our lives that can uh, be challenges to us, right? And we'll talk a little bit about what landmines mean and uh, and, and how that relates to you. But we're going to hop right into Psalm 42, verse 1, and it says this, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food by day and night, while all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. We're going to have an image come onto the screen here in just a moment. And one of the reasons that people love the Psalms It's because they give an insight, right, a window into emotion and life, right? What you and I experience and what we'll see here on the screen in just a moment in the image is that this is life, right? That there are peaks and there are valleys and as we go across time, we get to experience all of them. Now, if you look at social media, there is nothing but peaks and peaks and peaks and peaks because it's everyone's highlights, right? We're showing you the best of what we do, but in real life... There are peaks and there are valleys, right? And so now as we're beginning to talk about landmines, as we've been in this series, we want to look at where, where, how can we see those landmines and know that they are sometimes near the peak, but they are sometimes in the valley, sometimes they're on the way up, sometimes they're on the way down. And you'll see this, right, as we look at that Psalm 42, right now we read it in the beginning, we'll read it again towards the end, Uh, but that there are ups and downs, right, and this is some of what it means to just live life, that we have high moments and low moments, certainly as we serve the Lord. And so for us, we want to talk again about just the the big idea today is about disappointment, right? The landmine of disappointment. And so disappointment, just understand this, is inevitable and will be a landmine in almost every area of our lives. God knows he cares and wants to make us more like Christ through it. When we think about disappointment every single day, we're going to have little moments of disappointment. It's almost like a spectrum, right? There are things that perhaps at a coffee shop, they got our order wrong. Perhaps you got some bad news at work. There's a lot of different things that, that come with this, right? But as we look at disappointment as a landmine, I, I want to just give a couple of parallels as we've been in this series about how, how it relates to a landmine, right? Landmines are meant for destruction when you least expect them. We know that these things are, are, are a, a planet underground uh, for an enemy soldier or for someone unsuspecting victim to walk through it, and when you least expect it, boom, it blows up on you. We know also that landmines lie just beneath the surface, and they are often packed in well-traveled areas, right? When we looked at that graph at the valleys and the peaks and everything that we do, there will be landmines that are laid out in the common areas of our lives, around our relationships, around trouble, around high moments, around low moments. And these landmines are there to devastate what God wants to do in us. Also know this, that a landmine may cause damage by direct blast effect, but there is often collateral damage that the person and those surrounding them will face. And I want to talk a little bit about that today, right? That the enemy's plan for your life, for my life, just the way that the world is designated is not that when I just step on this land, it impacts and affects me, but that there is collateral damage that is meant to go out and now impact the relationships, the people that God has put in my life and more of my life than just what, in, what, what has to do with me. So, so far, okay, uh, in this series, we've covered selfishness and laziness. We talked about anger, we talked about our thoughts. We even talked about greed, right, and the things that we desire. So today, we want to just hone in on that landmine of disappointment. And so I want to give you a framework for what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the life, the life of Moses. And we're going to look at it in three stages, right, from the, at the beginning, in the middle, and the end. And we're going to look at the landmines of disappointment that he faced. We're going to look at uh, some of the things that he, uh, you know, dealt with and encountered. And then look at how does it impact me, because we can identify the landmine of disappointment, but now what? What do we do? What do we do after we find that? And so just so that we're all on the same page, I want us to have a working definition of disappointment, and that's here on the screen right now, and it says, uh, it's going to be defined this way, sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations, the sense of sadness and frustration that results from failure, either from our own failures, the failures of others, or both right, that disappointment has a little bit more than just to do with I didn't get the coffee the way that I wanted. When we talked about that spectrum, nothing, life is not perfect and we know that, but as we're talking about it as a landmine, we're going to look at a little bit of, of a spectrum on the higher end, right, where there is an impact on who we are and God wants to do with us and how he wants to operate in our lives. Uh, recently, my family and I, we went to a trip uh, to Florida, right, and we were down there for a couple of weeks And uh, great time with my family, my parents that live down there and are retired. And so my six-year-old, I have four kids, my youngest is my six-year-old. We spent all week going to beaches, buying toys, buying things, right? All the things that you would normally do when you're on vacation. And so on our last day, we decided when it was about 108 degrees that we want to go to an outdoor mall. And so we decided to go to that mall And so me being the pro dad, four kids in, I I just know what I'm doing. I sat my six-year-old and said, now listen, buddy, I want to talk to you, and I just want to let you know that we are going to some stores, but you are not going to get anything right? You are not going to receive another gift. There's not going to be another surprise. Grandma and grandpa are with us. Nothing is happening. You've gotten gifts. We've, you know, done all the things we're going to do. This is the last day before we go back home. We're just going to go relax in 108 degree weather outside. And so naturally we show up to the mall. We're doing everything that, you know, as expected. And of course, me being the pro dad that I am, I see the Lego store. And in my head, again, dads, this is just such a moment like where I fell asleep at the wheel. I think to myself, we're going to go to the Lego store because my six-year-old is going to love it. And so naturally... We walk into the Lego store, and it took about two minutes to know that my plan A, the preemptive conversation with him to go, hey, nothing's coming, we had to switch to plan B. Okay, now all of a sudden, he's going to get something, right? It's like we're not walking out of there with the same amount of money that we walked in with. He's going to receive something, and now it's just a matter of how are we going to do this. And so we spent a while. I pulled him aside. We walked around the Lego store. We looked at Star Wars and Ninjago and Jurassic Park Lego sets. And who knew that you can spend hundreds of dollars on plastic little square things that all come together uh, just so that you can put it on a mantle or a child can destroy it. And so naturally the moment of truth came and I said, buddy, you got to make a decision. I'm looking at him and I say, okay, uh, you got to choose either Star Wars or you got to choose Jurassic Park or you got to choose Ninjago. What's it going to be? For those of you, again, that are pro-dads, I should have seen this coming, but again, it was the end of vacation. I was a little bit tired. What ended up happening is that he gave me with utmost confidence, he said, I want all three. All three. And I thought to myself, okay, now wait a second. You can't have all three. And what unfolded over the next few minutes in the Lego store was a little bit of a hostage negotiation, and what if I give you this, and what if we set this up, and what if we do all those things amazingly, because of God's goodness and grace, we walked out of the Lego store with one set, and my son naturally walked away. How? Disappointed. Disappointed. We had just gone in and said, you're not getting anything. We might stop at a store that's okay that you might like, but just know we're going out to hang out. We went into the store that he wanted to go to. He saw all the things, and he walked out with a gift. And still, even when something good happened, he was disappointed. And so it impacted his mood, obviously, the rest of the day, his outlook. And it, in fact, because we don't live in a bubble as parents, it impacted us, our kids. And so now it became a whole situation. And what happens when life doesn't go the way that you expected it? What happens when all of a sudden, right, there are things happening and a surprise pops up? Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, and God is still working in those things, but all we could see is the blow up, right? And so we want to talk about that. It is vital for us, right, if we're going to identify this landmine, for us to determine the source of our disappointment. It's vital for us that we understand where's this coming from, what do I do with it, how do I address it, and how do I move forward with what God has for my life. And so I wanted us to shift uh, just to what looking at the life of Moses, and I want to give some background here, right? I mean, many of us know uh, the story of Moses and the Israelites and all that God did in in the book of Exodus and in the first five books of the Bible, but for those of you that may not know, I'll just give a quick couple bullet points, but Jacob, who is a patriarch in the family of Israel, right? We see Genesis that God has called this family uh, to be his people, and it it keeps going, and Abraham goes out, and he sees the land of promise that God has for him. Eventually, we come to his sons, to Jacob and his family. They Moved to Egypt because he had a son named Joseph who was sold off by his brothers into slavery. There's a famine in the land, and so now Joseph uh, is is second in command in Egypt. His brothers come; they buy some grain from him. He they, they have this exchange back and forth where he doesn't want to reveal who he is. He does. Eventually, there's a family reunion, there's hugs, there's a a happily ever after sort of for them, and that they all come to Egypt. The Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt, loves Joseph, loves his family, gives him land. But something happens where now a new king has arisen in Egypt that doesn't know Joseph. And by the time this happens, now it's not just a small family, but there's a nation of people living in Egypt. So Pharaoh and his leaders are saying these, they're multiplying too quickly. They're growing. They may overpower us. We may have to serve them someday. So they enslave uh, the Israelites and, and do some sort of population control where they're saying, hey, we're going to kill all the baby boys so that this group of people, this nation, could stop multiplying as quickly. And so now Pharaoh enlists some midwives and says, okay, I, I want you every time a baby boy is born, kill him. And so the midwives, being God-fearing women, say, absolutely not. They allow the boys to live. Pharaoh gets upset. And then he, he charges his people, said, if you see an Israelite boy born, throw him into the Nile River. And so this is the scenario, the background, the context where Moses is born. And so Moses is born, he's uh, you know, nursed by his mother eventually because she feels hopeless, doesn't know what to do, puts him in a basket and floats this baby down the Nile River. What happens uh, once he goes to the Nile River? He Eventually his little sister's following along and that basket comes to where, uh, to where Pharaoh's daughter finds him and now she says, what is going on with this boy? And so he's returned to his mom and then returned to Pharaoh's daughter. Now we have Moses who is an Israelite. Raised as an Egyptian, talk about an identity crisis. Raised in privilege, right, and in a cushy life, and something that's you know reserved for people of of, of of royal family almost, even though that he should be a slave with his people. And so, in this context, was where we're going to pick up our story in Exodus two, chapter or it's Exodus two, verse eleven. It says, years later, after Moses had grown up, everything happened that I shared. He went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people, right? So naturally, he's, he sees injustice. He's going, hey, these are my people. This isn't how they should be treated. So looking all around and seeing no one, right? Moses looks around. He's creeping. He struck the Egyptian dead and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you attacking your neighbor?" Who made you a commander and judge over us? The man replied, Are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses became afraid and thought, What I did is certainly known. So we have Moses that is raised and in, 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 has a royal upbringing, right, in the house of Pharaoh where he has opportunities and privilege. And he, can you imagine Moses when he looks at his life? He can look at his family and say, hey, they're, they're still living as slaves and I've been given an opportunity. We can look in Acts when it gives the account of Moses. It says that Moses knew that he was uh, going to be, uh, he was different, that he was going to be raised, that God had a purpose with him from the begin- beginning. And so I know that in Moses, the scripture would help us understand that he knew that God was going to do something and his life was out in front of him with every single opportunity. And so Moses found himself where maybe we find ourselves at some point or maybe currently. What do you do when I'm disappointed with myself, right? When we talk about disappointment, I'm disappointed with myself. Right, our first point today. And what can that mean? It can mean my personal life. right? Maybe there are things that aren't going the way that you thought. Maybe you thought you'd be married by now. Maybe you thought you'd be at a different place in life by now. Maybe your relationships are struggling. Maybe you're looking at your past failures and go, I messed up. I ruined my life. I, I, I'm embarrassed of that decision. There's things that people know about me that I did that that's what is beginning to define me, right? I'm d- disappointed in myself. Maybe it's my shortcomings. Man, I, my dad had a temper, so I got a temper. Uh, maybe it's like, man, divorce has just gone through my family, and I'm on the precipice of being divorced. Maybe you're looking saying, I've never been good with money, and so I'll always you know, be, be struggling with money, and I can never be generous, and I can't manage what God has given me. Perhaps it's something else in your life, and your disappointment, your landmine is you. And so what happens when we step step on that landmine, that disappointment with ourselves, the collateral damage there is what? It's isolation, shame, hiddenness. We may have a, a tendency, right? If you've stepped on this landmine or, or have many times, or maybe are harboring some of that where there is shame and there is hiddenness and there is a, a, a desire to hide what happened, to hide a piece of you and a part of you so that you don't have to step on another one of those landmines. And the problem here is that from this position, when we assume this protective position with this landmine, I'll never step on that landmine again. I'll never make that mistake again. What ends up happening for us is that lies and sin can thrive in our hearts and we live a life that is less than what God intended for us, right? We see this and that isolation and the shame and the hiddenness. And so Moses kills this Egyptian. Moses, you know, now he's probably, he maybe even felt like, I did the right thing. I stood up for a slave. I stood up for my people. And then the next day, the moment that he's trying to pretend and act like no one saw it, it gets brought up again. And now all of a sudden, he's looking at his life and thinking, I ruined my life. I'll never recover from this mistake again. No one will ever look at me the same way. I will be a failure. This moment is defining my life. And so there's Moses, right, the landmine of disappointment. And now, I don't want us to just stay there, but in every one of these, we're going to say, how does God respond, right? And so to that, we're going to look to Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to look to verse 1 and 2. And it says, meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock, right? So now this is years later. Moses ran out to the desert. He comes across a family. He helps them. Eventually, Moses gets married, right? Because Moses, he's going, I might be miserable, but I don't want to be alone. And so he finds a family. And so meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then, right, so when Moses was out doing his thing, was out running from God, was living in the disappointment of himself, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. And it says, therefore, go, in verse 10, it says, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God, all of a sudden, right, what happens? There's this landmine of disappointment that alters the course to him, seemingly, of his life. And how does God respond? Same way he responds for you and for me. He shows up, and then he repurposes disappointment. Do we get that? That God shows up, that even in the midst of Moses' lowest moment, there is God going, hey, I have not forgotten you that he's looking at him saying that there's still a plan. And then he says, I'm going to take what was your shame, what was your disappointment, what was your isolation, what was those things that withdrew you from what I had for you, and I'm going to repurpose them to use them for my glory. And so when we're disappointed with ourselves, when we're stuck in that place, when that landmine has blown up once or maybe 10 times in our life, there's the temptation to now, again, isolate for shame, for hiddenness. And God calls us and he goes, I'm, I'm here. I'm here, and I have a plan even in the midst of that disappointment. So we move on, right? We said we're going to cover the first uh, portion of Moses' life. So now let's look at the second. So now Moses, if you know the story, he goes to Egypt. There's plagues. He goes to Pharaoh. Miracles happen, so many things. And so I encourage you, obviously, read the the book of Exodus. It's an incredible book. Don't go to the movie. Go to the book. It's it's, it's better than, than the movie. And so Israel was out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And what happens with Israel is what happens with us, with people. They were unsatisfied. God pulled them out of slavery. God saved them, said, I'm taking you to a new land. And so what did they do? They were unsatisfied. They grumbled against God. They didn't like their accommodations. Turns out that camp, you know, sand camping is not just the best for, you know, a, a million plus people. And so they had an issue. They complained against God. And what did God do? He had to punish them. And so people were lining up at Moses' tent to let Moses know about it. This is what you call saving us, Moses. This is what you want to do. This is how you're going to lead us. This is God's best for our lives, right? And I I love when I read Scripture, and as much as we've advanced and life has changed, the more we change, the more we stay the same as people, right? And so people were lining up, and they let Moses know this. And so God instructs Moses, gather 70 of Israel's elders, at the tent of meeting, and what God is going to do is that he's going to put His Moses' spirit, the spirit that he gave Moses, on the leaders, and they're going to begin to prophesy and and work under the power and even some authority of what Moses had planned for them. And so what does God do in the middle of that? You're hungry? Fine. I'm going to feed you. He sends quail to the camp, and all of a sudden they get to eat, and they get greedy because we're people, they were people, and so they, they consume much. And then what happens? A plague breaks out. Here's where we pick up in Numbers 12. Uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 it says, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. So get this in the story Moses' brother and sister didn't like Moses' wife. Can anybody relate to family drama, right? There, there was an issue, right? Again, there was, the more we change, the more we say the same. They were unhappy with Moses' wife, that he picked her as his wife. And so they said, Has the Lord spoken only, uh, only through uh, Moses? They asked, hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this, and Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, he said, you three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them went out, then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance of the tent, and summoned uh, Aaron and Miriam. And so now we have Moses, right? First, there was, in his first stage of his life, there was this disappointment with himself. And so now he's looking at this and going, all right, uh, there's another disappointment now that you and I also face, and that's disappointment with others, right? Life happens. We get disappointed with others. What can this mean? Family right? Perhaps it's your spouse. Perhaps it's your kids, parents, siblings. I, I, I don't know. Maybe someone has let you down. Maybe it's your friends, right? They said, we are going to be there for you. We're going to help you. When, when life gets hard, we're going to be there. We got your back, and all of a sudden, they're not there. Maybe today, some of your disappointment, maybe with the church. Maybe you're walking around with some church hurt. Maybe they, they said they'd be there. Maybe someone dropped the ball. Maybe they didn't check in on you. Maybe you walked through some hardship and the folks that you thought would surround you didn't. They failed you. Now you're walking around with disappointment in others. What's the collateral damage of this? It's, it, that's, that's clearly seen in people. It's bitterness. It's resentment. It's unforgiveness. This is dangerous because we cannot experience the freedom of, that God has for us and the love that he's called us to live out. If there's we're harboring bitterness, resentment, that kind of unforgiveness, we're not going to experience what God has. Here's what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 14 and 15: Pursue peace with everyone in holiness. With it, no one will see without it, excuse me, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness, bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. Right? Defiling many. When we have this landmine blow up in our lives. And we begin to harbor these things. Understand that the enemy, right, our, our life and just our world wants it to blow up on us, but the collateral damage is that begi- I begin to push people away, and there begins to happen something in my heart where unforgiveness. Hurt, resentment, bitterness that begins to poison me and begins to poison the relationships of those around me. So, how does God respond to this, right? Let's hop to like, stay in Numbers 12. Here's what it says in Numbers 12:4. It says, Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, you three come out to the tent of meeting, right? They're talking bad about Moses. They're talking bad about his wife. And so the three of them went out, and then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. And he said, listen to what I say. If there is a prophet among you from the Lord, I make myself known to him. A vision I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my household. I speak with him directly, openly, not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? You see, God... There's a response, right? There's our disappointment. The landmine blows up. God responds. And so what does he do? I'm going to say it again. He shows up, and then he affirms his plan and purpose for Moses. He affirms his plan and purpose for Moses. Understand with me today, friends, that perhaps there is some hurt. Perhaps you have some reason. Perhaps there there is some legitimate. I don't want to in any way minimize what you have walked through, but understand that God shows up. And that his plan and his purpose is not deterred because others have failed, because where they have failed, he is faithful, right? Every time there's a disappointment, every time that landmine blows up in Moses's life, in our lives, he shows up, he shows up, he shows up. So there's disappointment with ourselves, there's disappointment with others, and now just, and, and again, our, our third part of Moses's life, the, the last third, in Numbers 20, Israel was thirsty, right, and they began complaining about God again, right? I mean, this is the story the, uh, of just the is- Israel as a nation, is that God delivered them, does something gr- great. They're, they're grateful. All of a sudden, things aren't what they thought, so they complain, and God punishes them. They humble themselves, and we repeat and rinse, repeat and rinse, which is, again, not too dissimilar at times from our lives. And so they go to Moses, right, because they're thirsty, and they're saying, why did you bring us out here to die? And so Moses and Aaron go and meet with the Lord. He instructs Aaron or Moses to grab Aaron's rod to go to the rock and to uh, uh, speak to it and that water would come out and give sustenance to the people to their livestock and so Moses did everything as the Lord commanded except speaking to the rock he takes Aaron's rod and smacks the rock twice when God said speak to it Moses did what he wanted and God was displeased because he Moses didn't trust him, and he displayed haste, right? He was, he was short-tempered. He was quick. He dishonored God's command because he didn't obey as God told him, but then again, it was dishonoring to his spirit, and so we pick up right there, and when I say right there, I mean Moses was in, in the king's palace. Moses went to being a shepherd, to living out in the desert, and now he is on the precipice shortly thereafter this to walk into the promised land, right? And to see what God has, been pro- has given to his people. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 3, 23 through 27. It says, at that time, I begged the Lord, Lord God, you have begun to show your greatness and your strong hand to your servant. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can perform deeds, uh, excuse me, who perform deeds and mighty acts like yours? Please let me cross over and see the beautiful land on the other side of the Jordan. This is Moses talking to God and the good hill country and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you. He's saying this to the Israelites and it because you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, that's enough. Do not speak to me again about this matter. Go to the top of Pega and look to the west, north, south, and east, and see it with your own eyes, for you will not cross into the Jordan. man. What's the disappointment here? The disappointment is with life. And what do we mean by life, present, and potential future? Life didn't work out, perhaps, as you had hoped, right? Perhaps, you know, I thought my situation would be better. I thought I'd be further along in my career. I thought you know, maybe some hopes and dreams, aspirations, things that I wanted to do, the person I wanted to be. Maybe I thought, you know, again, that I'd, I'd be well off financially. I'd be married by now. I wouldn't be in a second or third marriage. I wouldn't still be dating. I wouldn't be heartbroken. I wouldn't be picking up the pieces of brokenness in my life. Maybe you're in that position where you're saying, no one ever told me that one of my kids would get sick, Right? When I thought about my life, no one ever said that my spouse would get a terminal illness. No one ever told me that my parents would divorce. No one ever told me that life was going to get difficult like this. And the collateral damage of this is prayerlessness, a coldness toward the Holy Spirit, a divided mind, living for a lesser Purpose. And when we say lesser purpose, understand that you were created for a purpose. And if we're not living for His purpose, we're going to choose something else that can look like distractions for us, right? Maybe it's sports, maybe it's pleasure, having hey, to go on vacations. Maybe I'm going to be about my career, my job, my toys, my family, right? For parents, the temptation is like I'm going to be about my kids so that I don't have to deal with that disappointment in my life. I'm going to make sure that they, you know, that uh, they're who I focus on, and. Actually, to the point where we begin, we stop depending on the Lord, and now we're cold towards him. So what's God's response to this? Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 34, right, to Moses. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the Lord's word. He buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, facing Beth Peor. And no one to this day knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not weak, and his vitality had not left him. What does God do, Right? Moses is standing there on this mountain and going like, look any way you want. That is your promised land. That is where you're going to go. That's where the people are going to go, but you're not going to see it. And there's the disappointment in going, is this what Egypt was about? Is this what the desert was about? And what does God do? His response is that again, he shows up and he's faithful. He gave Moses what he needed to accomplish the work that he had for Moses to do, which in Moses' mind the whole time was going, I'm going into the promised land. And Perhaps had he obeyed, that would have been God's will. We don't know how it would have worked out, but God knew that this is how it would go, and God knew that Moses was gonna take them right to the doorstep, and what does God do? In his goodness, he fulfills his promise. He promised it to Abraham that they would have their own land, and he used Moses powerfully to take them all the way out of slavery into being a free people with their own country. God, again, responds, he shows up, he's faithful, and he fulfills his promise. So now we've looked at those things, right? We're saying, okay, I know, Felix, I'm at a place, you've identified some landmines. Maybe there's disappointment with me. Maybe maybe there's disappointment with others. Maybe there's disappointment with how life has worked out. Now what? Now what? Because it's great, right, as we looked at that graph that goes up and down peaks and valleys, and we can say, okay, we know there's landmines up there. There's landmines down there. There's landmines in between. I'm going to hit some. I'm going to miss some. The Holy Spirit's going to guide me. Maybe I've stepped on so many. I'm still just dealing with the collateral damage in my life. Now what? Remember I told you, to this we're going to go back to Psalm 42, 6 through 11. Here's what it says. I am deeply depressed. Can anybody relate to that at at one point in your life? Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones while all day long they say to me, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Here's, here's where he lands, right? Because what you're reading here in this psalm, they'll be mistaken, is the ups and the downs. Not just in life, but in writing this psalm, in this season of life, where God, have you left me? No, you're here with me. God, is everyone going to come after me? No, God, you are faithful. And here's, well, here's where it goes. Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Understand this, right? That the Holy Spirit is continually working in us right to draw so so we're going to look at what we do if we're going to look at how do we begin to respond because remember we talk landmines are everywhere and God willing through the leading of the Holy Spirit through wisdom strong relationships community small group being a part of a church family man he's going to guide us and use people but we are going to step in it once or twice or more times than that so what do we do I think it, it starts right there with 42.6. It says, Returned, I think we return to the source of truth, which is God's word. We got to start there. In 42.6, he said, I am deeply depressed. Remember, there is the ups and downs of this psalm. But what does he do? Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. He remembered. Understand that the Holy Spirit is working consistently to bring you back and draw you back to God's presence, but he's going to use his word to go when when that landmine blows up, and all of a sudden you may be saying, I'm disappointed with me. I'm a failure. That's who I'm destined to be. Here comes the word of God that says, know that you are the head and not the tail, that he is the glory and the lifter of your head. Here comes the word of God to tell you that all things work together, right, for the good of those who are called according to his purpose, and so now his desire, the Holy Spirit, is to to return us to the source of truth, which is God's word. If we are not rooted in God's word, then the disappointments will wreak havoc on our relationships with God, with others, and in every single part of your life. And so when you say, okay, Felix, I get it. I love it. You're saying return to God's word. I got my Bible. I got a highlighter. I got my Devo. I'm ready to go. What does that mean practically now? Do I just open up anywhere? What do I do with that? No, make no mistake about it, friends. It begins with the gospel. It begins with the gospel. The, the reality of a perfect Savior sent to this world to die on behalf of sinners like you and like me who lived a perfect life, was crucified for our sins, paid the price was buried and resurrected on the third day, conquered death and the grave. And now because of that sacrifice, not because of what you have done or what I have done, now we inherit right his righteousness. We inherit being part of the family of God. The word even says that we are grafted in, that we are, we're not just slaves, but that we are sons, that we are daughters now. It is the gospel again and again. Here's what Titus three, four, and five says, it says, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works or of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. It's not according to the works that you did. It's not because you've never been disappointed. It's not because you've never failed or because people have never failed you. It's because of something much bigger than that. It's because of the saving final work of Jesus on the cross, the gospel. The gospel, the gospel. Again, I'm going to talk to three different groups, but it's the gospel for those that are uh, lost and without faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, not just for your eternal salvation, but for sustenance and everyday living. It's the gospel for the wayward person. Perhaps you grew up in church. I know we're in the Bible Belt. We're here in the South. And maybe church has just been part of your culture. You go on Easter, you go on Mother's Day, you go on Christmas Eve, you try to make it here and there, and you know a lot about God's word, but there's not a changing relationship there. And so for that person, it's the gospel uh, to, to help you navigate the landmines of sin and circumstance to make, that make you cold towards God, where he says, no, no, come, I'm, I'm gonna still do my thing and show up. It's the gospel for those of us that are already saved, who somehow, right, and this is, I'm talking to you, brother and sister in the Lord, for somehow trust God, Jesus with our eternity, but for some reason resist allowing him near the disappointment of our life. We say, Jesus, I trust you with my heart, mind, and soul, but don't touch the disappointment that I faced with my dad from when I grew up. Jesus, I trust you that one day my life will end and I will go to be with you in glory. Just don't talk to me about the anger, disappointment, hurt, unforgiveness that I harbor against someone else. The gospel addresses all of these things. And so we return to the source of truth, which is God's word. And again, it begins with the gospel. And my, my last point for us here is that we have to fight for perspective. And so perspective will determine our response. 42, Psalm 42.8 says this, The Lord will send his faithful love by day, and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. And you're saying, Felix, how does that address perspective? Remember, a few verses ago, the psalmist there was writing about, they say this about me, God, am I alone? I'm without hope. And now he says, the Lord will send his faithful love by day. He was talking about his tears being his food, day and night, being in anguish, being alone. And now, though, there's been a change of perspective to go, but wait. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. For for Moses, all he could presently see, right, in these three stages of his life, if you read through his account, there were highs, there were lows, there was amazing experiences where he encountered the Lord. There was tremendous disappointment. But what Moses needed was a shift of perspective, that when he began to look at what God was looking at, all of a sudden saying, you're not going into that promised land. Yes, there was disappointment, and he had to process that. But more than wanting his will, he wanted God's will. For the psalmist, a few verses removed from saying, my tears, now all of a sudden he's saying, the Lord will send his faithful faithful love by day and his song will be with me in the night. God's perspective determines our response. And friends, this morning, as you're thinking about where the hope or, or where the disappointment may lie, right, if I came up to you and said, tell me the two biggest disappointments in your life, you could probably name them right away right? You may say, I need more than two. I got like six things tied for two. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you've lived, you know, a a life where there hasn't been significant disappointment these last couple of weeks as I've been processing this. I've gone up to people that are friends that I know and say, hey, let's talk about like the biggest disappointment in your life. And every single time I asked the question, it stopped that person dead in their tracks. And you could see the eyes go up because I'm thinking and processing and I could tell you what it was because it was significant. And so for us, there, there may be that significant moment. Maybe we're still living in that pain, but his perspective now has to determine how we respond. Here's my last verse for us today, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our, our, our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When we begin to look at those disappointments, those landmines, those things of the past, those things in the present, and perhaps our fear, worries, or disappointments of the things in the future, we have to pause and just step back and go, God, what do you see? Because when we look at what he sees, we now see that this light and momentary affliction is producing in us an absolutely incomparable weight of eternal glory. This is what he does. My three questions for me to wrap up today. And I know I'm saying wrap up, and I don't want you to start getting your papers ready, getting your pens, getting your you know little uh, card scanner things, or, or little badges to get your kids. Just wait with me here, because this is going to be key for you. Three questions that I want you to ask. Number one, Am i alone when you think about the disappointment when you think about the hurt when you think about the things that perhaps have blown up whether it's come in relationships and circumstance and things that decisions that you have perhaps because of bad decisions wounds you've inflicted on yourself am i alone remember god's response he showed up he showed up for moses he's he shows up for you and for me can god use this for his glory and every single one of the disappointments that we see in Moses' life and so many of those found in scripture that align their, their, their will, their, their life to, to God's will, we see God do something in the midst of that brokenness and collateral damage. And then the biggest thing for us today, friend, will I surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to make me more like Jesus? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to make you more like Jesus? Right where you're at, I'm just gonna ask you, again, without all the wrap-up stuff that normally happens, just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to wrap up here with this. I want you just to hear. If you need to close your eyes, you can. The words that I'm going to say will be on the screen, but I just want you to hear just a a meditation, something that encouraged me as I was preparing for this, and um, like you have faced disappointments in my life too, and it encouraged me for what what god's perspective is and what he wants for for me and for us here's what it says it's written by a john henry newman he says god knows me and calls me by my name god has created me to do him some definite service he has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another i have my mission somehow i am necessary for his purpose i have a part in this great work I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. Therefore, I will trust him. Whatever, wherever I am, I can never be thrown away. If I am in sickness, my sickness may serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. My sickness or perplexity or sorrow may be necessary causes of some great end, which is quite beyond us. He does nothing in vain, friends. He may prolong my life. He may shorten it. He knows what he is about. I ask not to see. I ask not to know. I ask simply to be used. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, this morning, Lord, across our campuses at Rockbridge, Lord, God, you know every single hurt, every single landmine, every single disappointment, Lord, the collateral damage that it is causing, and yet, Lord, in your goodness, your Holy Spirit draws us to your presence, and you keep showing up, Lord. God, I pray that you would give us courage, give us wisdom, give us understanding, Lord. Lord, but above all, Lord, give us humility, Lord, to this morning for those that are in that place of saying, I am far from God, that today they would respond to your call. For those that may be wayward, Lord, and around God, Christianity, your religion, may today be a day to say, I will surrender my heart, Lord, for those of us that know you, God, Lord, and maybe struggle to hand over those disappointments. May today be the day that we surrender completely and wholly to you, Lord, those hurts and those pains. God, we thank you. We know that you are here with us, Lord, and we ask that you guide us, Lord, and help us in the moments, days, and weeks to come, Lord, to continue to surrender to you and to watch you take these broken moments, Lord, and do something incredible with them. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.